The scripture reading from this morning is uh, from Psalm 107. Please stand for the reading of God's Word. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Some wandered in desert wastes, finding no way to a city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way till they reached a city to dwell in. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. For he satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul he fills with good things." Some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and in irons, for they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. So he bowed their hearts down with hard labor. They fell down with none to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and burst their bonds apart. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. For he shatters the doors of bronze and cuts in two the bars of iron. Some were fools through their sinful ways, and because of their iniquities suffered affliction. They loathed any kind of food, and they drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man, and let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his deeds in songs of joy. Some went down to the sea in ships, doing business on the great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep. For he commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven. They went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wit's end. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet, and he brought them to their desired haven. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. Let them extol him in the congregation of the people, and praise him in the assembly of the elders. He turns rivers into a desert, springs of water into thirsty ground, a fruitful land into a salty waste because of the evil of its inhabitants. He turns a desert into pools of water, a parched land into springs of water. And there he lets the hungry dwell and they establish a city to live in. They sow fields and plant vineyards and get a fruitful yield. By his blessing they multiply greatly and he does not let their livestock diminish. When they are diminished and brought low through oppression, evil, and sorrow, he pours contempt on princes and makes them wander in trackless wastes. But he raises up the needy out of affliction and makes their families like flocks. The upright see it and are glad, and all wickedness shuts its mouth. Whoever is wise, let him attend to these things. Let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. We're going to look at Psalm 107. Um, If you don't have your Bible, 
uh, I want to encourage you to grab the Bible that's in the rack in front of you. It's a long psalm. We're just going to take a kind of a high-level look at it. That is on page 506 if you're grabbing the Bible that's on the uh, rack in front of you. So uh, go ahead and turn there. The kids are making their way. And um, let me go ahead and set this up for us. Uh, this psalm, Psalm 107, was originally given to the people of Judah to sing after they had returned from exile. So this is a post-exilic psalm. Remember, the psalms were meant to be sung. And so the people of Judah, upon return to Jerusalem from their exile in Babylon, were singing this psalm. Uh, Jews would sing it in synagogue worship. Uh, Christian churches began to sing it and sang it throughout the history of the church uh, down to this very day. We sang a variation of Psalm 107 uh, this morning. That was the first song that we sang together was a variation of Psalm 107. And it was given to remind those who were returning from exile and to everyone who sings this psalm, a reminder that God delivers when his people cry out to him, that his steadfast love endures forever. And it's a reminder and, in fact, an opportunity when we come together with a psalm like this to sing about his deliverance, to sing with joy and thanksgiving for the ways in which he has rescued his people. But this is not simply meant to be a history lesson. Because his steadfast love endures forever, so too, whenever his people cry out to him, he will bring deliverance. Jesus has come to rescue his people from their sin. And having accomplished that great rescue, he will not leave us to ultimately perish in any other um, affliction. That I'm not preaching a health and wealth gospel. I'm not saying your life will be perfect if you trust Jesus. I am saying that in an ultimate sense, no matter what we experience on this earth, we have the promise that the worst thing that can ever possibly happen to us if we are believers is actually the best thing. What is for those who are not in Christ the thing greatest to be feared, death itself, is actually for the believer the passage into the presence, the unveiled presence of Jesus. And Jesus, because he has united himself to us, united us to him by his spirit, is not only, in a sense, there waiting to welcome us into his arms, but is actually the one who is ushering us through death's doorway. As I think of something to give thanks for this morning, um, even though we all will miss our brother and father in the Lord, Fred, I am so thankful that his faith has given way to sight. Psalm 107, it's a, it's a psalm that's for all of us. It's a psalm that's for us because the Lord's love endures forever. It's a long psalm, so we've, and we've only got a little bit of time to look at it. So we're going to do kind of a 10,000-foot, high-level uh, look. And what we're going to see as we look at the psalm, it's, a, it's an awesome psalm because of the way it's structured. The structure itself communicates so much to us. And so we're going to see four rescues. Real quick, trust me. Four rescues. Two reversals, one point, and then how we're called to respond. 
So first, let's pray. Father, as we come before you and as we uh, hear from you through this, your word, Lord, I am thankful even now for the testimony to your faithfulness that we heard uh, from the lips of your people that are here this morning. And Lord, as we consider this psalm and the record of the testimony of your faithfulness, Lord, I pray that you would uh, help us to see ourselves in it. Lord, when we find ourselves in need of rescue, help us to be reminded that you are a God who, who brings it, who delivers who reverses what seem to be hopeless situations so that we might sing with joy to you. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so four rescues. They're, they're contained in verses 4 through 32. So the, really the body of the psalm has to do with these four rescues. And it's important to see that these are not four different groups of people. These are God's people experiencing four different types of afflictions. Four different types of uh, distresses, four different ways in which they need to be delivered. So let's, let's look at them real quick. Again, if you have your Bible open, this is going to be a lot easier. Um, if you don't, just follow along. I'd encourage you to, to maybe go look at this later when you do have a Bible with you. Um, but verses 4 and 5, here's the first scenario in which rescue is needed. Some wandered in desert wastes, finding no way to a city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. So people lost in the desert, wandering far away from a city, a place where there would be refuge and safety and community. They're isolated, they're alone. Second, you see people that are in bondage due to their rebellion, verses 10 and 11. Some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and in irons, for they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. And so there's this sense... Of course, for those who were in um, exile, they were experiencing this, but even down to this very day, we can sing of this and know of it in a spiritual sense, feeling as though we're in bondage to sin, even as those like our brother Osei, who was recently released from prison in Haiti, could look at this psalm and know in a way much more literally and tangibly than we do what it's like to be in bondage, to be imprisoned. So then third, the people that are suffering due to their sin. Look at verses 17 and 18. Some were fools through their sinful ways and because of their iniquities suffered affliction. They loathed any kind of food. And then the fourth scenario, the fourth type of rescue is seen in verses uh, 23 to 27. Some went down to the sea in ships doing business on the great waters. They saw their, the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep for he commanded and raised the stormy wind. You can picture this being out on a boat lifted up the ways of the sea. They mounted up to heaven. They went down to the depths. Their courage melted. You can picture a boat up and down on the waves. The, the, the waves, the winds are billowing and, and people are terrified. So there's the four scenarios in which God's people found themselves in need of rescue. And then look at what happens. They cry out to God. The same language is used throughout the psalm. Verse 6 then they cried to the Lord in their trouble. Verse 13, then they cried to the Lord in their trouble. Verse 19, then they cried to the Lord in their trouble. And then verse 28, then they cried to the Lord in their trouble. So the people cry out to God. There's, there's, a, there's a repetition here that's meant to serve as a reminder that this is what we do. We are a people, when we find ourselves in any kind of trouble, any kind of scenario in which we find ourselves needing rescue, we're a people who cry out. That's the natural response of God's people, to cry out to him. 
And then look at how the Lord brings deliverance. And deliverance in a way that reverses the preceding distress. So look at verse 6, second half of verse 6. First part, they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way till they reached a city to dwell in. So the very thing that they lacked, they were wandering, they were aimless, they were isolated, they were alone. God led them to a city to find refuge, to find safety, to find community. And then look down at verses 13 and 14. Second half of verse 13, and he delivered them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and burst their bonds apart. There was a a deliverance that correlated to, was a reversal of the form of distress that they found themselves in. Second half of verse 18 and verse 19, they cried to the Lord in their trouble. Second half of, uh, uh, I'm sorry, 19 and 20. They cried to the Lord in their trouble. Second half of 19, he delivered them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. God brought healing to people who were afflicted because of their sin. And then the calming of the storm and safe passage that's provided in verse 28. Second half of verse 28, he delivered them from their distress. He made the storms be still and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet. People in distress, all manner of need for rescue represented. The first two have to do with situations of life. One by land, the other by sea. (laughs) The first rescue, they're on land and they're lost. The fourth rescue, they're at sea and they're being plummeted by the storms. And the second two, the middle two, had to do with sin. Both bondage to sin because of sin and affliction personal affliction because of sin. So a real representative example of rescues that God's people find themselves um, needing. And then the command, of course, verse 8, verse 15, verse 21, verse 31. Verse 8, let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. Verse 15, let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. Verse 21, let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. And then the same thing repeated in verse 31. Now it's interesting, isn't it? That it doesn't say, and they thanked the Lord for his steadfast love. It's actually a form of a command. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. Even within a psalm that's kind of, you know, embedded in and rising up from this very specific historical moment in the life of God's people, there's an ongoing command to those who are singing the psalm or reading it down to this very day, that when they find themselves in scenarios like those in which rescue is needed and they cry out and they find that this God whose love is steadfast delivers, they're to cry out and give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love that endures forever. So where do you see yourself in these trials? Do you feel yourself to be one who is perhaps aimless and isolated and lonely and and cut off and without community, a wanderer, someone who has wandered far away perhaps from from God, from family, from, from your very sense of who you are. God is the one who brings deliverance 
to you if you will cry out to him. He will provide for you a family. He will provide for you salvation if you will look to him in faith. Do you find yourself burdened and weighed down and, and feeling enslaved by sin as if, as if sin has you in a grip, that you're still in bonds that, that the gospel says have been broken? Cry out to the Lord in your distress. He has brought deliverance to you in Christ. If your trust is in Jesus, you are free from the power of sin. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Verses 17 through 22, that section there, are you bearing consequences for sin, perhaps in your very own flesh? All of us are to some degree because all of us are broken by sin. Every single one of us is born as sinners, and so therefore born broken. None of us are as healthy not just physically, but emotionally and spiritually, as we would be if it weren't for the fall. And then there are the many ways in which we have sinned and been sinned against that have left a mark. And the promise of this psalm is that God brings healing, a degree of healing in this life, and then ultimate healing in the life to come. Give thanks to the Lord. His steadfast love endures forever. And then verses 23 through 32, that great section in which we can so resonate because some of you feel like circumstantially you are out at sea and the waves are lifting you up and then crashing you down. And the promise here for you as well is that God will bring passage to safe haven. You know that they may not mean that the storm ends in your life. It may be that that storm doesn't end until you're with Jesus. It can be that that internal storm that's raging, even as the storm outside continues, that internal storm can be calmed. And you can find yourself in safe haven, emotionally and spiritually, in Christ Jesus. So there's an invitation here to, I want to say, expect certain things from God because God does not change. And so we can bank on his unchanging character. We can expect because of who God is, because of his faithfulness, that when we cry out to him, he will hear us. We can expect that he will respond. And we can expect that his love will not fail. As Carl prayed in the prayer earlier, not because of anything in us, Not because of our faithfulness to him does he remain kind toward us, but simply because he does not change and he has said that his steadfast love toward his own endures forever. So those are the the four rescues. There are two reversals that we'll hit at real quick here in the end. It's the last part of the psalm, verses uh, 33 through 42 There are two reversals that happen here. And again, I'm just going to, because of the time, I'm just going to hit this real quick. If you were to look at verses 33 through 38, I'm not going to read them, but what you see happening there is God taking a, a pleasant land and making it desolate because of evil in the land. And then taking that evil land or that that, uh, desolate land and making it a fruitful land in order to bless and protect and show mercy to those who are there that cry out to him. So there's this great reversal that takes place there in verses 33 through 38. And then verses 39 through 42 show another reversal. People that are 
brought low because of oppression, God is able to bring down the oppressor and lift up the one who's crying out for help. The point, I think, there is that God loves to turn things upside down. He will move heaven and earth in order to demonstrate his love to his people. Nothing and no one will get in his way. And he loves to demonstrate his grace and his power by doing the unexpected. By reversing the things that we consider to be just the way things are. So what's the point, finally, of this psalm as we wrap up here? The point is that his steadfast love endures forever. That's, that's the bookends, right? The, the whole psalm is bookended by that phrase. Verse 1, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. And then the very last verse, verse 53, I'm sorry, verse 43, let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. How should we respond? How does this psalm invite us to respond? Well, the first is give thanks. Say thank you. Some of you may have it as your practice. Um, others of you don't. I, I, this is something I, I do. I wish I could say I do it every day. But most days, the first thing I do in my journal is write down something I'm thankful for. It's just a good practice. For someone who's inclined to be more of a navel gazer, it's good to be reminded, you know, to remind myself, hey, the, this is a good God who has loved me and he provides for me in ways that, that I will tend to overlook because I can be so, you know, focused in on things and have the blinders on. So just give thanks. Give thanks to the Lord. The psalm invites us to tell of his deeds. Verse 22, let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his deeds and songs of joy. Verse 32, let them extol him in the congregation of the people. This was the first say-so Sunday, Saturday for them. Let's just go with Sabbath, right? This, was, this is it. This is an example of what it means to extol the Lord in the congregation, to, to sing to one another with joy concerning his deeds. Here is a way, and whether it's here on a Sunday in worship or whether it's in your growth group or whether it's just in your you know, personal conversations with friends in church or family outside of church, there is an opportunity to say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Speak together of the goodness of the Lord, of his provision for us, of the way in which he has brought reversal in our lives, especially that great reversal of taking us off a path towards sin and destruction, and by his grace, putting us on a path in which we have come to know him. From taking us from the path of those who are destined for destruction and putting us on the path of those who by his grace are being saved when everything in us wanted to go that way. Tell of it. Meditate on it. I, I love the way the psalm ends. Verse 43, whoever is wise, let him attend to these things. See, when we think of wisdom, we think of principles for life. We think of, you know, maybe best practices for life. We think about lessons that we've learned through, through difficulties and through failures. Those are all important things. There's a place for all of that. But do you realize what this psalm says is at the heart of wisdom? Meditating on the steadfast love of the Lord, on his unchangeable character, of the way in which he hears when his people cry out and brings deliverance because 
His character is unchanging. The psalmist says, meditate on that, and you will have the wisdom that you need for life. And then finally, rely on his steadfast love. Cry out. Cry out in time of need. You may feel like this is the 10,000th time that I have found myself in this kind of a place where I need rescue, and I know it's entirely of my own doing, not because of anything outside of me. And here I am. Surely I've exhausted the steadfast love of the Lord that never ceases? You can't. You can't. Rely on his steadfast love. Cry out to him in your distress for the first time, for the 10,000th time. He will hear you because he loves you. In the greatest reversal of all, God brought redemption through crucifixion. He brought salvation for sinners by pouring out his wrath on his sinless son. He rescued through the cross. Of Jesus Christ. When we rest in the steadfast love of the Lord, we aren't simply remembering a truth. We are embracing a person, Jesus. He is the bread that fills us so we never hunger or thirst. He is the one by whose wounds we are healed. He is the one who calms the storm. He is the way to the city without foundations. One day, All the redeemed of the earth will be gathered, as this psalm says, from west and south and east and north. One day, all the redeemed will sing around the throne concerning the steadfast love of the Lord that never ceases. Until that day, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let's pray. Well, Father, we do, we do pray that you would help us to be a more thankful people. Lord, you have done so much for us. But Lord, the, even if there was very little that we could point to on this earth by way of provision, Lord, we have the, the reality that you have rescued us from our sin the greatest trial that we could find ourselves in, the the trial from which we could not deliver ourselves, you have delivered us. When the waves of your condemnation and wrath would come crashing down upon us eternally, you brought us into the safe haven that that is salvation in your son, Jesus Christ. And so we give you thanks. And we pray that that seed of gratitude would be ever growing within us and among us, so that we are a people who are ever singing with joy to one another and together concerning the great deeds that you have done. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.